Welcome to Murderous Roots, a podcast that explores the family history of killers. I'm Denise, and with me is Zelda. Now, let's get started. Well, hi, Zelda. Hey, Denise. How are you today? Pretty good and happy anniversary. Happy anniversary to you. Oh my gosh, I can't believe it's been a whole year we've been doing this. I know. Can you believe Murderous Roots has been a podcast now officially for a year? I just, it, it blows my mind because it honestly feels like we just started this a couple months ago. I know. I, well, <laughs> it's because we just started finally figuring out how to do it in a more. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> less stressed out way. Because I still remember the first few episodes, me freezing and like, what do I say to start? Oh my gosh, how do I start this? I know, right? And then we're and then how we riff on things. And then it's like, wow, we're talking about something completely different now. So yes, but yeah, it's been a fun year. So let's hope and and you shared some fun news about our status in the USA. Yes, we actually made the charts. <laughs> Yay! According to Chartables. So don't get, I mean, don't get overly excited, but there's over 2 million podcasts going right now. And in the United States, we're in the top 12,000. And worldwide, Yay! we're in the top 14,000. So. Yay! Yeah, I mean. I think I'm that's kind of cool. I mean. You know? Yeah, I mean, we weren't charting last year, so. <laughs> Exactly. And, you know, let's face it, this is a niche market. You know, it's not just like plain true crime. We're not sensationalizing anything. Mm -hmm. It's true crime and genealogy. So you have to have people who are like super interested to hear about the histories yes. behind the serial killers and behind the murderers and stuff. So and like history in general. But while we're on this topic, I thought I looked at some stats for us for the past. Oh, year. yeah. So I finally figured out how to apply this thing so we could track our downloads uh -huh. in September. So that was two months later. And it was like the middle of the month. So that first month in September 2020, we had 85 downloads. That was probably half the month. Okay, so, so that would be like been... our parents, you know, <laughs> our Facebook friends. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pretty much. May 2021, we had our most downloads. At 452. Hey, we're growing little bit by little bit. Yes. And as of today for July, we're at 378. That's so. exciting. I know. I I like. I just like seeing the growth and that we're not just talking to our family members and closest friends anymore. Yeah, because they're getting kind of sick of hearing it, frankly. You know? <laughs> they're, yeah, they're like, you ate? What? I, I still do have some family members going, what are you talking about? What's a podcast? Okay. <laughs> That's funny. Granted, those are the older relations, so I can understand. Because, and, and to be fair, I didn't know what a podcast was at first a couple of years ago. So, mm -hmm. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? Mm -hmm. I get the question of, oh, when are you on? I'll tune in. I'm like, it's not a when. It's 24 hours a day. Yeah, you can you can access this whenever you like. So it's it's like radio, but it's not mm -hmm. exactly because it's not live. Yep. Maybe someday, maybe for our second anniversary, we'll do something yeah, that's like a yeah. live show. That's scary, but that would be fun. Now, our most downloaded episode uh -huh. at this point is our, I believe it was our second episode, Dr. Death. Really? Michael Swingo. Yeah. Really? It's been downloaded 423 times. Huh. Maybe there's a fan of Michael Swingo who just keeps doing it over and over. Maybe, but that's what also drives a lot of searches to our website. Interesting. Mm -hmm. And then the uh, next is Richard Hickok. Okay. From the Clutter Family Murders at 218. So it's not just, Swango is like 200 more than the next one. Huh. I wonder if Michael Swango is about to get out of jail or something. I sure hope not. That would make me so sad. Um, um, then the Green River Killer, Black Dahlia. And um, our first episode, Lita Southard. So I would have thought the Black Dahlia would be the one that really drew the crowds. So I too, I, I, I'm the same way because I thought that one was a really good episode. Or the Devil in the White City guy, whose name? Yeah, AJ uh, Holmes. Thank you. Normally that's on the tip of my tongues, but mm -hmm. I'm not good with names today. My neurodivergent yeah, so, brain is not cooperating. 
So officially downloads were at 2,908 downloads. Okay. But based on the fact that we had like a couple months without, I would say we're officially over 3,000 downloads at this point. So it's pretty exciting, I think. Yay! Yeah, that's really cool. For those just uh, coming in, obviously, this is Murderer's Roots. We're celebrating our first anniversary with a Q&A session. And we had asked people for questions. And it's just more an opportunity to get to know us than anything. <laughs> We're not going to be talking about any particular murders. Well, you never know. It might come up um, during the conversation. Where should we start with this? I got to tell you, some of these questions are doozies. And I don't, I'm thinking, let's say... Let's pick a fun one first, and then we'll get into some of the more serious ones. Okay. So how about from, let's see, Andrew Martin from the Family Histories Podcast in England asks, well, and states, hello, congrats on your forthcoming birthday. I wondered if you were a genealogy slash cold case crime busting TV duo, (laughs) what would your show and characters be called? That's such a tough one. I have no idea. I try to think of this and I'm like blanking. I kind of like digging for the truth, you know? So I'm just kind of, I mean, that'd be kind of fun. I mean, the stuff that we do will never lead to solving a case um, just because we don't do genetics or anything like that. But in TV world, it totally could happen. I see us like running a bookstore in it. Oh, that'd be so fun. That's kind of my like dream in real TV life, show. too. Yeah. And almost kind of like a British mystery type of thing. Kind of oh, like yeah. Midsummer Murders, you know, that type of... But instead of, like, cops, we're just the local neighbors and I things love happen. Yeah. And then, like, one of us is digging in just to go, oh, my gosh, there's something about this guy's past that was, is going to lead us to the answer. Exactly. I love that. And that, you know, at the end, the, the person that they catch would shake his fist and say, if it weren't for two, you two nosy ladies, I would have gotten off scot-free. Yeah. That and would have, have to, to have classic it. names. I don't know. I like Zelda. So I'm happy with my name being the same as the yeah. character's name in the TV show. Maybe Viola. Oh, Viola's a lovely name. That's so, a, that does feel Zelda very and Viola. British. That feels very British. I would That's not what do, I was going for. Yeah, I would never do a British accent for you, though, because I've been asked repeatedly by my friends to never do that. It's it's like peak cringe. So yeah, I, I can't. That's one accent I can't come up with. Although I think if I practiced it or if I was around it long enough, because I do have a tendency to echo people. <laughs> I, uh-huh. If I'm around a person long enough, I start to take on their accent without even realizing it. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me, actually, because, you know, mm-hmm. you're a good listener and that kind of thing happens. Um, and the only accent I'm good at is my own. So, you know. <laughs> well, I have a question for you now okay. because I'm not ready to answer this one. I'll let you do this. Why do we drive on parkways and park on driveways? This is from Dean in Missouri. Okay, so I have a little story to tell about this because I used to work at this very famous natural history museum. And during, you know, special events, there'd be some of us who'd volunteer to hold a sign that says, ask me anything. Mm -hmm. And so women would come up to us and say things like, where's the bathroom? And little kids (laughs) would come up and say things like, hey, how much does a T-Rex's poop weigh? (laughs) I, I don't know the answer. I still don't know the answer. And men would come up and say things like, what's your favorite color? Or, you know, why do we drive on parkways and park on driveways? <laughs> so, um, so normally my answer to this would be, you know, there's a thing called Google. But assuming this is a serious question, which, of course, I cannot. But yeah, I don't um, think it's serious. According to the Merriam-Webster website, um, the reason that we... We call it a parkway is because way means road and it's basically a road through a park. So where one oh. can drive one's carriage and, you know, typically parkways have lots of green around them and things like that. Even today, mm-hmm. a driveway. Well, the reason that we park in driveways is because we're Americans and driveways <laughs> are really just specifically noted paths on which one may drive. So a driveway can be long or short. You could park in it or just drive through it on the way into the garage or around to the back of the barn where there's a parking spot. Um, but that is why we park on driveways. Technically, we could park on parkways. Might get a ticket, but, you know, right. just saying. All the parkways I've been answer. on, I think you get a ticket if you parked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you this, there's actually, I was on a beautiful parkway in Kansas City the, this last week. And I have to, I've never spent a ton of time in Kansas City. It is a very pretty city. I had no idea. 
So everyone, who, if there's anyone listening from Kansas City, shout out to you. Way to beautify your city. I've got a question for you now. Okay. Okay. This is from Chelsea in Illinois. So this okay. is, you got to put your thinking cap on because this is actually like serious question. <laughs> Since I've never heard it, but I'm interested in genealogy. What are your favorite resources for doing genealogy? Mm-hmm. What do you do when you hit a wall? Have you stumbled across any surprises doing your own genealogy? You know, I was going to look to see what <laughs> surprises I run across, but um, I'm going to have to think about that one just for a second. But what are my favorite resources? Well, this is not an ad, but I have actually had an Ancestry account now for over 20, for about 23 years now because of the resources they have on there from death records to birth records to books. And I, they have family trees on there as well, but I don't usually use that as much. Um, my favorite resource and I talked about on the show is census records. Cause that usually gives me at least a good place to start and to look in an area. Then I can look at various state records. Family search is also a good site. It's not my favorite though. Cause I, can't zero in as well on a search and be as specific as I want at times. And I also love newspapers to do research now. That's a more recent access that's happened in the last few years. But that opens a world because sometimes I might not be able to find a birth record in the state's database. But if you open up and you do a search, sometimes you'll see, oh, so-and-so had a baby. And you're like, ah, there we go. You know, it's a combination of different things. As for the walls, sometimes I'll take a break. (laughs) Sometimes there's nothing I can do on certain walls. So I will step away for a while. Hope that maybe some more resources will come available online. Because a lot of my research is done online at the moment. If I can have the access, I might contact the state directly. Typically the county courthouse to help me look for some data. A lot of times I will go, I'll do a quick search. There's um, another resource that I will use is, and it used to be a lot more popular is GenWeb. So Mm -hmm. it's like a one for the whole United States. And then each state has their own and then it goes breaks down by County. And these are people volunteering to put as much resources as they can for that state up there and that location and everything. So I'll sometimes look and see if they have a gen web for the area I'm looking at and see if they have something that isn't available anywhere else. One of the more common walls I run into is like on the census records. I can't find a name. So I'm like, I know the person lived there. I'll just search a little differently. For example, now (laughs) it's really hard when it's in a big city. I got to tell (laughs) you. And my uh, paternal and maternal last names are very common. So struggles happen a lot and it takes time to sort through everything. But I might put that person's first name because I know they're not going to screw up spelling that. Put their estimated date of birth, maybe, and then put in their location and say, only look in this location for this person with this first name. Now, if you had the, you're looking at the first name John, it might take you a while. Huh. <laughs> and to this day, I have now I know exactly where my both of my grandfathers lived in 1940, but I can't find either one of them in the census. Oh, crazy! And we think it's because they were moving around yeah. at the time. Okay. But I found both grandmothers, so <laughs> there oh, you good. go. Now, surprise! Stumbled on any surprises? <sighs> um, I might come back. Hold on a second. Zelda. Actually, you know what? I'm going to go with this as my um, stumbling. So my biggest surprise was something that I stumbled on on accident. And it's also my biggest block at the moment. Hmm. Yeah. So my grandmother was the daughter of of Henry Clay Holloway. And so my great-grandpa Holloway, his father was William Joseph Holloway. And his mother was Nancy Romines. Now, my grandma used to do research, and she did all this research. So she came up with Thomas Romines as being Nancy's father and Phoebe Richards being the mother. But then we discovered something. We discovered a will, an indication that Thomas Romines died in 1833. The the reason this is a problem is that 
Nancy Romines was born in 1851. Oh. So there's no way he could be her father. And then I looked at Phoebe to see maybe she got together with a brother or something. No, she had no other children. So, and then I can't find her in the census either. Hmm. So it is a major wall that I've hit. And it was a big surprise because in our family history, it was always, this is what it is. And we had the line going back. And now we're like back at the beginning. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I'm hoping DNA will help me find it, but I'm not as familiar and good with um, genetic genealogy quite yet. Mm-hmm. But I'm trying to look at it and, oh, I'm going to add one more thing. Wills are a good resource if you can find them. Wills and probate records. Mm-hmm. At the very least, they can sometimes confirm. Because if and, somebody's not listed on the will. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. and just a plug that if you do not already have your will and or estate plans made, you need to do that. Because most adults in the United States actually die without a will and leave it for whoever's left behind to figure it all out. So do your family a favor. Get your will done. Okay. Yeah. PSA over. <laughs> okay. Um, I got a question for you here. Is Zelda single? This is from Marin and Andor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Zelda is quite single. So if you're a man who's into sharp-witted Amazons, you know, slide into my DMs. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I like this question. Do you believe in the paranormal? And let's see. Ooh, that that is that's from Alex in Ontario, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he had several questions, so I like them have, all. I do all of his questions or her questions. We we have no pronouns, so we don't know if Alex is male or female, um, or other. But I what I find interesting, you know, because paranormal covers like a multitude of sins, right? Because yes. we're talking about aliens, cryptids like Bigfoot, you know, we're talking about ghosts, we're talking about, you know, sometimes vampires, you know, vampires, and the chupacabra. So Denise, do you have any particular thoughts about the paranormal? I believe in some but not all like I don't think vampires are real. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in werewolves. Mm-hmm. But do I think ghosts are real? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Aliens? Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't know if they're here with us, but I believe they're real. (laughs) Yeah, Um, they're probably watching from a safe distance, if I were there. But at the same time, I enjoy paranormal stuff. Mm -hmm. So it goes into, I guess, fantasy realm. How about you? So I have... I have theories built around all of it. So I've been waiting Ooh. for this opportunity in my life to share these. So, um, so things like aliens. Yeah, probably. I mean, why not? Um, yeah. And things like Bigfoot. I, I, I'm a little sketchier on things like Bigfoot, the Chupacabra, mm-hmm. things like that, because, you know, we would have, we would have found one by now, you know, you would think, or at least and the skeletal remains. Exactly. You know, it's like, what is this all about? This seems really kind of strange. But, you know, I'm willing to keep an open mind. Should it ever, somebody ever haul one in front of us, I'd be like, okay, cool. And keep going on about my world. But when it comes to ghosts, this is where my theories are the most well developed. So I, so there's really basically two kinds of ghosts, right? You have ghosts that interact and ghosts that don't interact. Mm -hmm. And the ghosts that don't interact are the ones that just kind of like, you're always seeing like the lady in white floating across a part of the graveyard kind of thing or mm-hmm. floating across a hallway or something, but they don't actually interact with you. They don't talk to you. You just see this specter and then it goes away. Or you might feel like a cold feeling or a hot feeling or something. So I think because we're all ba- at the basis of it, we're all just energy. Right. And right. so I think what that is, is there's something that happened in that person's life that left like an energy imprint on that geographic location. And that sometimes conditions are such that it gets kind of stirred up and it happens again. So that's what I think about that. But what there are ghosts that interact with you and ghosts that talk to you or throw things at you or tell you to get out of the house, which if they tell you to get out of the house, just go, just go. But because nothing good happens after that. Right. And I think in this case, it's demons because I really do believe Mm -hmm. in demons. I believe in angels. I believe in demons. And I really think that that's just demons messing with us. You know, pretending to be ghosts, pretending to be these inoffensive little electrical impulses when actually they're really trying to like, you know, make sure we lead miserable lives. So anyway, so that's my theory on that. 
it's um and then there's things like you know the coincidences and things like that and i i do believe that sometimes things just happen and there are things that are pure coincidence Mm -hmm. but i also think that sometimes the universe likes to get you know a bit of a smile out of things and you know just kind of nudgingly you know hey, wouldn't it be funny if this happened and then they make it happen? Like yeah. how John Adams and Thomas Jefferson both died on July 4th on the same day. Karma. You know? Yeah, it's just kind of, well, I don't really believe in karma, but I, I do. know you don't, but it just feels yeah. kind of karmic. Yeah. Like, in a way. Like, well, that's kind of like a, what you put out in the world comes back to you kind of yeah. thing. So anyway, um, for paranormal podcasts, though, I really love this show, this uh, podcast called And That's Why We Drink. Um. And they cover they cover a gamut of things, including the paranormal. And their paranormal stories are always just super delightful. So, um, so anyway, that's yeah, just I need to check that bit. one out. I, it's on my list, but I've been checking out so many new podcasts lately. I'm just like getting <laughs> behind because yeah, the kids don't let me. There really are some good podcasts out there. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, ours is of course among them. But oh, um, of course, gosh, there's some good ones out there. Oh, what kind of case do you refuse to cover, if any? Well, okay, so I have an answer to this from my perspective, and I'm kind of curious about your perspective, and I'm trying to see where I wrote this. I was taking notes, so I wouldn't forget what I was thinking about. One of the types is anywhere where we feel like it would elevate the killer above the victim. Mm -hmm. For example, Derek Chauvin Mm -hmm. over George Floyd. Yeah. So in that situation, especially, especially if it's overly fresh, Mm-hmm. Like we, we like to have a little distance mm-hmm. unless it's really relevant at the time, Yeah, you know, and something we want to know. The other thing I try to avoid when I'm picking the cases are child killers. Those who just kill children. Mm-hmm. I mentally, I have a hard time going there and I know they exist and I know all about them. And, mm-hmm. but I have my three girls and I just can't go there mentally right now. Yeah. Yeah. How about you? Well, so when we first started this, I had, I had been like, okay, I'm cool with whatever, as long as we don't do anybody who's still alive. Well, and then we went ahead and did that. And so then I'm like, yeah, I guess there's nothing I've refused to cover. <laughs> I'm not the one who picks the cases, though. I mean, if people don't know that, because Denise is the one who does the real heavy lifting for this. Um, she's the one who does all the genetic you know, background, it does all the study, I just come up, you know, I'm color commentary and figure out what happened to share with you all. So Denise gets to pick the cases. So I feel like I have an influence, like if there's something I really want to do or something, yeah. but I, I'm not going to step in and be like, oh, no, I don't care that you want to study this person or, um, or insist on anything that's particularly my way, just because But I do ask for her feedback on a lot of them. Oh, yes. So... And I do give my opinions. Yes. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll hear it out. And if I think mm, she's right, like I brought up Derek Chauvin as a possibility and she made some really good points. I'm like, yeah, you know what? You're right. We won't. And so, I, I do think so. We've only done one victim so far. The Black Dahlia. Two. And who was the other one? Bell Star. Oh, God, I totally forgot. Because I think of Bell Star as a perp. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, did she really just get justice in the end? I don't know. What What are we going on with that? Um. That, you know, every once in a while, I'm like, you know, it's nice to do the victims every once in a while, um, mm-hmm. just because, you know, what we're doing, although it's it's a fun thing to do, honestly, it's also in a way a service. So right. if people are, you know, interested in this, they can follow it up themselves. If they're related to the murderer, then they can follow it up themselves. But it's also nice every once in a while to be able to do the same thing for the victim. Oh, yeah, I agree completely. My challenge is finding um, victims... When it comes to the victim, I prefer to do one where it's an unsolved case so we can feature them Mm -hmm. in that way. And that's not always easy to find or do. Mm -hmm. So I'm always looking for them. So if you guys have a suggestion of one we can cover in that way, or maybe that is a case where it's a case where we're like, we don't really want to touch that killer, but we could talk about the crime and then cover that victim. Mm -hmm. So there there are those situations that might come up. Hadn't thought about that. Yeah, we totally should do that. So, okay. So if you could travel anywhere in the world right now, where would it be? That is so hard. I kept thinking and I'm like, oh my gosh, because part of me is like, ooh, I want to go back to Hawaii. Uh huh. <laughs> but that's so boring. I mean, I've been there, which it's not boring. I mean, I love it. But 
one place if so i'm imagining i have an unlimited budget i can go anywhere i want and you don't have to worry about covid because covid has been eliminated right so this is in the ideal version i would take a plane stop off in australia for a little bit visit a friend named kate dr kate oh yeah polar bird we gotta totally meet her yeah and then keep heading west and i want to go see china oh yeah i read this book in the 90s and it came out at the time it's so funny because i was just thinking about it, and I had to look up the name. I was looking at the reviews, and people were like, this is so wrong. It's so outdated. I'm like, it was written in 94. China changes quickly. <laughs> you know, things change over time. But it's called um, China Wakes, The Struggle for the Soul of a Rising Power by Nicola de Christophe and Cheryl Wudun. And when I read the book, it's a nonfiction book. It just really opened my eyes to things in China I didn't know. I talked a little bit about the culture as well, and I, I learned quite a bit. So it made me more fascinated with China than I had ever been before. Oh, that's interesting. That's very yeah. cool. How about you? Oh, Barcelona, hands down. <laughs> Barcelona is my favorite city in the world. And if I could figure out a way to live there, I would be there in a heartbeat. Um it's it's beautiful. The architecture, the vibe is absolutely amazing. The people are lovely. Um, it's it's fantastic. And the funny thing is, so I first, you know, was aware of Barcelona when I was in law school and a friend of mine handed me a book by Hemingway on Barcelona, like set in Barcelona, obviously not about Barcelona. And, and it just seemed like oddly exotic you know what I mean? Like, here I was, this little Indiana girl who honestly had not been on a plane in that point in my life and mm -hmm. had never really gone anywhere. And it seemed like, wow, this just seems so mysterious and far away. And so the first chance I got to go to Barcelona was, I think, about seven years ago, six years mm -hmm. ago, maybe. And it was magical. And I've been a couple of times since then because it, it was everything I'd hoped it would be. Um, not that it's like the perfect city without its problems. It's, you know, typical big city in that sense, but just the history that's there and that really literally everybody was just, just lovely that we met. So, so yeah, um, now I'm thinking about Barcelona. So, yeah, okay, maybe so I'm going to have to go there soon. Yeah. It's so hard to narrow it down because there's so many places I want to go. <laughs> yeah. This I want to go back to Europe. Yeah, this is a beautiful world we live in, and there are so many beautiful places to see. We're, we'll come back to Alex in Ontario and some more of his questions, but I'm going to switch it up right now. Okay. Which case got you into true crime? This is from Alicia, and, it, and she's in Sydney, Australia. Ooh, that's hard. So I'd always been into television shows like Law & Order, Law & Order SVU, mm -hmm. um, and things like that. I I actually actively avoided true crime for a long time because I have a vivid yeah. imagination and I just, I know exactly how cruel human beings can be to each other. I don't need to read about it. But right. then I read the book Devil in the White City about H.H. H. Holmes and I got hooked, just hooked because it's, I mean, it seemed incredible to me that this man was able to do things in just plain view of the world and got away with it for quite a while. Mm -hmm. And then as we've done more and more true crime things, mm -hmm. I've been like, this happens so frequently where we just don't really look at each other very often, you know, as, as a society, as human beings, you know, or we'll think something that's oh, a little off, but we dismiss it. And mm -hmm. then it turns out, yeah, that guy was keeping a 14 year old in their basement for 10 years, you know, or something like that. It's scary. And then how brave individual people have to be in order for these people truly to be brought to justice. I mean, it's yeah. inspiring and terrifying all at once. Like the, the guy in, was it Columbus or Cincinnati? who had those women trapped, you know, captured in his house. Yes. And it was basically this guy going by who this woman screamed for help. And he went in and helped her. Mm -hmm. I mean, how many people would have just run away, called the police? They would have been, you know, hidden away again. They would have probably died there if that man. And then the man, and I wish I could remember his name because I just had so much respect for him. You know, he was offered a reward for helping these women. And he's like, no, give the money to the women. I have a job. I'm doing okay. They, they're going to need help. And I just wanted to like, 
I mean, if I ever meet that man, I'm going to buy a mistake because I just think he is the best of us. Anyway, that's the the kind of things that got me into this and why I said yes when Denise proposed this little podcast idea, because I thought, hey, you know, there's a way that we can talk about these things in a way that doesn't glorify the killer Mm -hmm. and yet helps us put kind of arms around it and to understand like, okay, what is it that occurred here and how did these circumstances happen? And the fact of it is, you know, this kind of stuff could happen to anybody. I mean, I think that's the chilling realization we all have is that if the right person decided that they wanted to kill you, Mm -hmm. there's not a lot you can do about it, you know, not really. And the police are really good at, you know, coming in after it all happens and taking evidence. Um, hold on a second. Did you find the name of the guy? Um, I, it was Ariel Castro who kept him. Mm-hmm. And I was, I saw this recently and that's why it came to my mind. Gina De Jesus was one of his, the women he had captured. Yes. Uh-huh. She's actually a speaker now. Oh. And she attends Crime Con and has for the last couple of years. Oh, wow. Talking about her experience. And yeah, so she's gotten very involved in victim advocacy. That's really cool. And she apparently since she was abducted, she has earned her master's in social work from Case Western Reserve University. That's really cool. And uh, she founded Cleveland Missing, a volunteer led organization. It was Cleveland. That's right. So when you were talking about that, I'm like, oh, I know. I I know what she's talking about. I can't remember the guy's name who found them. But yeah, that was pretty awesome. So what's the what's the case that got you into true crime? You see, for me, it's kind of interesting. So I think what started my interest was my fascination with the mafia. Oh, really? Because as a teen, I got really into the mafia. But then I would see like the TV movie of the week about Ted Bundy. (laughs) Yes, there was a TV movie about Ted Bundy starring Mark Hamill as Ted Bundy. Oh my gosh, I totally forgot about that. Yeah, so that would hold my interest. But I was so fascinated by the mafia. I was going to write a novel about it. I mean, I read the Valachi Papers. Is that the right name? Um, Anyhow, I got really knee deep into that stuff. I just loved (laughs) that type of but it's all crime. So it is true crime. Then I started um, reading some books. So I read the book Postmortem by um, Patricia Cornwell. Mm-hmm. And that got me really interested because the main character was a medical examiner. And she was talking about things like um, fiber analysis and things that you could find. And I'm like, oh, and that just opened up the door in a different way for me. But I think what really got me down this path the most was my senior year of college, I took a course, psychology and the law. I was a psychology major. The professor talked about all different ends of forensic psychology, and I was hooked. From that point on, it was I was done for. <laughs> so then I got more into it the more I went. So it wasn't so much one case, although crime always fascinated me to a degree. Mm -hmm. It was just trying to understand the psychology of the criminal and trying to understand the psychology of the juror who was deciding the fate of a case. Mm -hmm. Just everything about that kind of got me going into it. So, and I've been hooked ever since. So, I mean, it's been over 20 plus years of love, well, going closing in on 30 plus years of love of true crime. <laughs> I'm sure that's totally normal. <laughs> Judging but, by the ratings Netflix gets for their murder shows, yes, it is perfectly normal. <laughs> yeah, and it's mainly women, which really, mm-hmm. but I think that speaks to us as women, though. We want to know. There's a, a, a certain level of fear I think women live in. It's not necessarily one that's tangible that you feel it like, ooh, I'm in fear, mm-hmm. but it's an awareness. So when you're by yourself and you're going to your car at night, you're paying more attention to what's around you than probably the man. So like when I leave the movie theater, he's probably casually walking to his car. I'm keeping my eyes on everything. Mm-hmm. I don't think about it as much anymore. Mm-hmm. It's just become automatic. Mm-hmm. 
checking the back seat of the car before you get in. Yeah, holding the keys between your fingers, Mm -hmm. all of that. So there's this awareness that I might be a victim of crime. And the most likely perpetrator against me will be a male. Mm -hmm. So it's trying to understand why. Mm -hmm. What's going through these guys' minds? Mm -hmm. Can I prevent myself from becoming a victim? Mm -hmm. There's just so many layers to it. I think that's what has women listening and watching Mm-hmm. true crime to the point they do now mm-hmm. yeah we just yeah. want to know <laughs> mm-hmm. and that's not to say that women can't be perpetrators they are we we've mm-hmm. discussed several of them mm-hmm. it's just more yeah trying to get i i always want to know i'm curious what is going through their heads i i kind of want to well, know well and 80 percent of violent crime is committed by a man right so i mean statistically <laughs> you're much more likely to be killed by a man than a woman yeah. But, you know, along those, um, we've gotten a number of questions along the lines of nature versus nurture. Mm-hmm. You know, what do we think about it? Um, Stacy in Wisconsin um, asked, how common is it for murder to run in the family? Have they found any genetic links? Yeah. And then Lee in the United Kingdom asked a question very similar. I love the whole nature nurture debate. And we hear a lot about serial killers having bad childhoods. Or suffering abuse, but are there any or many that come from normal families or what would appear to be a more normal background? And these are great questions. So, and I don't know that we're super equipped to answer them, but from right. our experience and the limited amount of Googling I did before, <laughs> I looked at this. So, genetically, there doesn't appear to be any kind of direct link between genetics and crime. You're not born with a murder gene. That being said, it being, you know, whether or not somebody's going to do something that's, you know, violence against another human being can be genetically influenced because your genetics do determine a number of things about you, or at least give you an influence. Again, it's not determinative, but whether or not you've got a quick temper, whether you're strong, you know, whether you're, you know, um, how you can react to things, you know, all those kinds of things are influenced by our genetics. And there is an idea that, that there might be some kind of like cocktail that happens Mm -hmm. and then suddenly you have a murder, but it also doesn't seem that that's the truth either. So it seems like a lot of it's a mixture, you know? Yeah. From when I was in school and we, we talked about this as an issue during that um, psychology and the law class. And there were some studies that come out, twin studies, that went into this. And so when I was Googling, I was looking to see if there had been any updates to the research. And it seems that the twin studies are still kind of holding on this, but I mean, I could be wrong and I'm sure there are psychology experts out there. If they happen to listen, you can correct me. The twin studies I was referring to, they do indicate um, a hereditary role in antisocial behavior, but they have said in all that, this has nothing to do with violent behavior though. This is talking about somebody stealing stuff, not being mm-hmm. violent. There doesn't seem to be a genetic component for violence. One thing that we do have, I mean, when you're looking at crime statistics, mm-hmm. it's important to look at what are some of the commonalities. And one of the things that shows up is something that is an absolute scar on our foster care system. But mm-hmm. 80% of people on death row have been in, who were, they were in foster care during their childhoods and 50% of kids who are in foster care experience homelessness by the time they're 25, because once you age out of foster care, you know, you're 18, the minute you turn 18, you're on your own. And some States carry it a little bit longer than that, but nobody carries, no state carries it until they're actually on their feet. Less than 3% of foster care children ever complete college. It's, it's, it's shameful. It's absolutely shameful. But we know there's a link between poverty and crime. Yes. And, of course, foster care children often, you know, experience crimes against them while they're foster care children, abuse, sexual abuse. And something like 15 percent, 10 or 15 percent of children who were in foster care after they age out go into sex trafficking and they're being sex trafficked because they don't have anything else to turn to. So I think. There's a much stronger component of nurture when we're talking about crime and violent crime than there is nature. 
And I think we as a society can and should be doing a whole lot better by our children in need. Yeah. And I think even with the twin studies, what it shows is if you have that component where the you have a good household or you have some, the support you need growing up, you're a lot less likely to get involved in crime, even if you have a family member who was a, in crime. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to a question. This is from um, two podcasters. That their names are Chris and Alex, and they ask us, what inspired you to start your podcast? And I'll take this question because yeah. it also answers the other because this is just so you guys understand. So this was my idea from the beginning, and, and I'm not knocking Zelda or anything. Oh, I would never have occurred to me to do this. I, I so, tell everyone that. So I had been blogging for a number of years, um, like a mom blogger, lifestyle blogger, whatever. And I was getting bored. <laughs> That, you know, I was kind of overwhelmed, too, with the kids and stuff. And I just wanted to go back to something I loved. And part of the reason I was getting bored is everybody was like, you need to be in a niche. You have to have your own niche. And I'm like, yeah, but I want to talk about everything. (laughs) That's my problem. But then I realized there is something I love, and that's genealogy. And I love true crime. And I started getting curious. And this goes to the other question, you know, is this nature or nurture? I wanted to know more about the backgrounds of killers. Was there more to the story that we're missing? So that's when I started to do this. Now, at first, I started trying to blog about it. And I did blog about uh, Lita Southard. And the first episode was kind of wrapped around that, what I had prepared for that. But I, after trying to write about it, it was so long and so complicated and so many things, I was like, I'm going to have to keep doing like three or four parts to get all the story out. Otherwise, I'm going to lose my readers because <laughs> they don't want to read like a whole book on this. Mm-hmm. And that's when I go, oh, maybe I should turn this into a podcast because I had just heard and learned about podcasts. And this is in August of 1919, not, not 1919. This is in August of 20. 20- 19. And I'm like, hmm. So I started playing with the idea of the podcast. And I played with it for a long time. And then I'm like, you know, there's a problem I have. I've never actually listened to a podcast. So I didn't know what they were like. (laughs) So I started when I was going to the gym in January 2020, I started listening to them. And from there, I'm like, oh, and it gave me ideas how I wanted to format it. Because originally, it was good just be me. But I started listening to a few podcasts that had duos. And I just really loved how that kind of fed into the story and the back and forth and getting the reaction from another person. And so then I contacted Zelda and then the um, pandemic happened right around all that same time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but luckily Zelda said, sure. I mean, she didn't even hesitate. Sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> and, and to be I'm very fair, supportive of my friends. <laughs> and to be fair, I don't remember you saying as long as they're not living, because if I had known that, I, I might not have pulled that. So I didn't remember hearing that part at all. <laughs> it was in our excitement to get this going. So. Yeah. So, but I always figured if I was doing somebody who was living, it had to be somebody who was in prison for life mm-hmm. or on death row, you know, where we're safe. Yeah. It's so, important to be safe. So that's basically how it came to be. And, you know, before I even contacted her, I had started researching family killer, I mean, serial killers, family trees. And I still have some that we're going to be covering this coming fall mm-hmm. and spring. So next year, because unlike last year when we threw it together and we were putting it, it was like, oh, let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. And Zelda the whole time. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> and so this time I started plotting out the next year for us and it might shift and things might change as I go and find out, Ooh, there's not enough research on this one. We'll move that to mini sewed status. Mm-hmm. Um, and that I shared the list with Zelda this time. So she has a little bit more of an idea of what's coming. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know that I was inspired when Denise called me and said, Hey, you want to do this? And it was like, Hey, yeah, let's do this. You know, I honestly didn't, think we'd be doing it very long I'll be honest I figured you know we'll kind of get you know the you know the first few that we were super excited about with their you know the famous people and then probably it would peter out after like six months or so but it just seemed to get more exciting and more fun as time went on so you know I'm in as long as it's fun so yeah in the first three episodes 
maybe it's the first port, but Zelda doesn't do anything but react. I wrote everything at those times because I didn't want to put her through more work than she needed <laughs> at the time. <laughs> I wanted her to stick with me. And I had mentioned something like, oh, well, you could write one of them. And you're like, she's like, no, you, you, you're good. And I'm like, okay. But then when we got to H.H. Holmes, which I knew really, she really loved that book so much. She was telling mm-hmm. everybody at the time, <laughs> I'm like, do you want to write him up? Yeah, sure. And then after that, she's like, hey, why don't I just write up all the, and I'm like, Sounds good to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I kind of got my way longer. It took a little while. But... I didn't realize she actually wanted me to do that. I felt I would be stepping on your toes if I took it over. Oh, well, you so. see, this is, we're both trying to be kind to each other. I didn't want to push you too far because I didn't want you to go, no, that's too much of a commitment for me. And you run away. <laughs> and you're going, <laughs> I don't want to step on your toes. <laughs> Sometimes being nice, too nice to your friends can be yeah. a bad thing. <laughs> Good thing we've stopped doing that. <laughs> yeah. Now we're just mean to each other. Now we have some more fun questions coming on. I mean, so I'm going to skip to this one. This is back to Alex in Ontario. What's your comfort foods? Just food. Food is comforting to me. I uh, <laughs> Okay. So I tend to like things like mac and cheese, ice cream, <laughs> you know, stuff that's like, super like full of fat and dairy and carbs you know as opposed to carrots carrots are not a comfort food to me no they're not how about you peanut butter mm, peanut butter sometimes good. but i also like taco bell and popcorn i'm not very much into the salts okay and this yeah that i don't go to sweets very often for comfort mm-hmm. I, i'm more of a yeah but i love yeah. peanut butter like literally the other week, the DMV here broke me. I had to go in and get my plates and mm. my driver's license. I was there for three hours, was only successful in getting my plates because the system went down in the driver's license line. So I had to leave and I texted my boss and I just said, the DMV broke me. I'm getting ice cream and going home. <laughs> and I literally like drove to Dairy Queen. My favorite is their like plain vanilla cone. There's just something about that that I love. And I got it and I went home and I took a nap and then it was okay. Life was okay again. Uh, well, we have more questions. Oh, no way. People really are curious. Well, this is um, one from Chris in South Dakota. Did anyone in your, has anyone in your family committed a crime? Well, does it, they needed killing count as crime? Yes. Then Yes. Now, when we talk about crimes, I'm assuming we're not talking speeding tickets because, yeah, that no. would be everyone in my family. <laughs> well, yeah. I don't, I, no, that's like a citation. Something that results like a felony or mis, even a mis, yes. re, could at result least in, in a, jail time. A, at least a night in jail. So I, I actually have people in my immediate family who spent time in jail. Oh, really? Um, I'm not going to share that, though, because that's their story. And no, they no. They should get to tell it. Uh, but a, an ancestor of mine. Actually, it's a a collection of ancestors. This was right after the Civil War. So my family was, at that point, living in Tennessee. They fought for the Union side. Mm -hmm. While they were off at war, some neighbors came by and raped the oldest daughter and tried to hang, tried to kill the youngest son by murdering murdering him, hanging him from a tree. Mm -hmm. He survived the hanging. They moved to Kentucky to stay with family to finish out the rest of the war. When they came back, Obviously, you know, the farms destroyed, you know, they had to rebuild from nothing. But it was the dad and the two oldest sons who were off at war. And when they came back, legend has it, and it's not just from my family, but other branches of my family tell the same Mm -hmm. story. They asked the oldest daughter to tell them who did it. They hauled the men up in front of her. And she said, yep, those are the guys. And they hung them from the tree in the front yard. Wow. And so it was anywhere between... I hear one story says three. The story I heard growing up was three. I read a story online. I think it was at ancestor.com. It's the same people, same story. And they said it was nine. Wow. And honestly, I could believe either one. I know my family and we do have a violent streak that runs through our family. So I'm like, yeah, I could, I can see that happening. And then, um, and then as the story goes, they left them up there and eventually when the father died, that um, somebody went down. Well, and I, I would assume at some point they would have had to bury the people. 
I don't know. They obviously never saw the inside of a jail cell for any of it. Then when the father finally died, one of the sons went, I think it was the youngest, Thomas, who went and just cut down the tree altogether. So, but it was referred to as the hanging tree from like, you know, for like 50 years, actually more than that, because it was called the hanging tree while it was up. And then when it was just a stump, people would say, remember the hanging tree. So, you know, <laughs> yeah. So Tennessee, yeah. Civil War. Yeah. Um, for my family, I do have a couple, I mean, family members, not in my immediate family, but my extended family. I'm trying to think. Although I will say I have an ex-brother-in-law who spent some time in jail when he was the ex-brother-in-law. So that's okay, good, but he was not a good person. I got a mugshot. Does that count? That um, is odd. I mean, that's I, not awesome. It was it was in Missouri when I was living in Missouri. And so this is 20 years ago-ish. I got a speeding ticket and then mm-hmm. got mixed up on where I needed to go. Didn't go to the right place. Eventually got a, uh, a warrant for my arrest for failure to appear in the correct court. Oh, no. So I had to go re- turn myself in. And they took my mugshot. And I was crying. I remember oh. this so vividly. I'm mid-20s sobbing, holding the numbers under my chin, Yeah, you know, and the police are so nice to me. They're just like, no, really, seriously, people get arrested for this all the time. It's okay. And I had to pay a hundred dollars bond to be able to leave and which I did and it was fine. And then it all got thrown out of court anyway. So yeah. yeah the only crime I, otherwise I know about is the one we discussed during Bell Star. Yeah. With um William Pleasant and Scott Sr. and Jr., I mean, helping burn up a house and stuff. Uh-huh. And they had to run to Texas. So I, I'm sure there, I mean, there possibly could be more. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I know of more family members that have been murdered. Oh, no. Yeah, I have a distant cousin, a second cousin, um, who was murdered in the 90s. And oh this is God. in Oklahoma. He was about 18 or 19 at the time and he was walking home apparently and these boys pulled over and beat him to death with a baseball bat. Oh my God. And the boys were never charged. Oh my God. His mom, they were concerned that she was going to end up murdering those boys, Mm -hmm. but they had a little bit more power in the small community and. Oh my God. So they got away with murder. So I have that type of stuff or stories I've come across like that. But other than that, no. I'm always, you know, curious. I mean, I've had some ancestors who had one too many wives or husbands. And I'm always like, hmm. (laughs) And I've been like that since before we started the podcast. I'm always like, is there something going on here? (laughs) That's so funny. But that's just how my mind works. So, great question. Um, we have another question from Alex. If you read, what book is your go-to recommendation? And we both read, so. Mm-hmm. I thought about this one long and hard, but I, I couldn't narrow it down to one. <laughs> I know, right? It's like, well, what genre are we talking about? Because, exactly. You know, it's like, okay, so what's your favorite, what's your favorite true crime novel? The Stranger Beside Me. By Anne Rule. That would be my go-to, especially if you've never done true crime before. Mm-hmm. And what is your favorite, like, sci-fi fantasy book? I'm so glad you asked. Because I was just thinking today, I should recommend this to you. Okay. So it's a series by um, Sharon Shin. And the first book is called Archangel. Archangel. Okay. Archangel. And it's part of the Samaria series. And it's so good. Okay. I got attracted because it had angels. Uh-huh. And this angel has been told by God above that he needs to marry this woman named Rachel. Huh. And then the series, as you go through, it's just, it's different people in each book. So it's not following the same characters per se, but the same idea of it. And you get to learn more about their world and more about their God. Wow. That's cool. Okay. I'm going to look that up. Yeah. What's your favorite bodice ripper? Oh, See, those I kind of go through pretty quickly, but I, mm, you know, you would think I would say uh, Bridgerton, but it's really, it's not. 
I think it, it, the series is by Elizabeth Holt, but now I'm trying to remember. We can skip it. Oh, but now, now I got to answer it. Hold on. <laughs> it's not Outlander, is it? No. <laughs> Did you like Outlander? Oh, God, no. No. Good, because I thought I was a weird one, and I'm like, eh. Like the, I, it's not that I hated the book, because I didn't, but I didn't mm-hmm. love the book. I just thought, yeah. it's okay. Yeah, that's kind of how I felt about it. I just don't get this obsession with it, because I'm like, eh. Yeah, I really And I love historical books. But these are so the same think, people who love Twilight, so bleh. I liked Twilight. I read yeah. all the books. I maybe perhaps went a little notch down in my estimation. Oh. By admitting that. Yeah, I'm not going to remember. I'll remember later, and then I'll... Well, here's a simple one for you. Sense mm-hmm. and Sensibility or Pride and Prejudice? Pride and Prejudice. and But the, here's part of the reason why. I have not been able to read Sense and Sensibility. <gasps> I have tried. No, no, no. I saw the movie. Okay. And Emma Thompson did such a good job mm-hmm. with changing the book to the screenplay that I can't read it without seeing the movie in my head. Uh-huh. So I haven't been able to get through it because I can't separate the two. Okay. I mean, she did an amazing job. Mm-hmm. So, but no, I mean, Pride and Prejudice okay. would win in that battle. And finally, favorite mystery series. Ah, now, see, that one I'm prepared for. Um, Earlene Fowler's. Um, I, she wrote a series of the Benny Harper Mysteries. And it's the first books. It, I call it kind of the quilt series because she always has quilts as the name of the titles of her books. So the okay. first book is Fool's Puzzle. And it kind of goes from there. And it ties into the story as well. But she's a single woman. recent. Well, not single. She's a widowed woman. She's got a job at this... Um, historical society type of thing and she stumbles in, in central coast california she comes from a horse ranching family mm-hmm. and i just love the books that's very cool yeah now she first meets the new chief of police temporary chief of police and they end up having a love affair mm-hmm. i'm gonna add one more genre to you general fiction my favorite is the alienist by caleb carr Ooh, and I paranormal books. There's so many good ones, but I always recommend Carpe Demon by Julia Julie Kinner. And it's basically if Buffy the Vampire Slayer retired, went away, had a family, and didn't tell her husband what she used to do. Oh, that's funny. And she has kids. And a demon comes into her life. Oh, that's funny. That she has to deal with. And it is. It's humorous and it's fun and Okay. But in this in this book she actually works for the Vatican. The main character. How interesting. As a child, she was part of these demon kids that were orphans that were trained to be demon killers. Wow. Yeah. Because the church has the budget for that. Well, yeah. (laughs) Well, they have orphanages, so it kind of fits. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But it's fantasy, I guess. So there you go. How about you? And what, how about your favorite mystery? Um... I would have to say it's Alexander McCall Smith's number one ladies detective agency series. Mm-hmm. Um, and honestly, it's less about the mystery than it's just like slice of life. Um, it's set in Botswana and mm-hmm. it's, it's just, they're lovely books. And when you're done with them, you're like, Oh, humanity isn't so horrible after all. So I really like those. That's always good. And how about, well, I know you don't do bodice rippers, so we'll skip that one. How yeah, about sci-fi sorry. fantasy. I think I know the answer to this, but go for it. I bet you do, because it's the only book I talk about incessantly, and that's um, the Wheel of Time series by Robert Jordan. Um, the first book is The Eye of the World, and I started reading this as the author was writing them. Oh. And t- something like 11 books in, 12 books in, he passed away. Um, it's a 14-book series. And then there was a bit of a wait because they had to find someone to complete the series. And Brian Sanderson, who's pretty famous, um, mm-hmm. uh, finished out the series. And it's it's wonderful. It's wonderful. It's this whole world. It's kind of considered, you know, the iconic modern fantasy for its world building. And um, all these different cultures and, you know, different attitudes and um, and the character arcs. It's just a very rich series. Um I highly, highly recommend it to anybody who likes to read. And what's really exciting for me is that Amazon Prime picked it up and they're doing a series 
So the series, um, the it's going to, um, the premieres this November. So mm-hmm. I am like so excited about this. I can hardly stand it. Well, so I noticed that um, on like Goodreads, it's like got a really split reader base. You have some mm-hmm. people who really love it and some people who really hate it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. If you, if you're a person who um, prefers like, I'm trying to think of a different style of writing. that's in super big contrast. If you like simple writing, where there's a lot of dialogue and a lot of snappy back and forth, you don't get that. Um, yeah. You get, you know, you get a lot of humor um, and there's some wonderful dialogue. I mean, there's just like some of these iconic phrases, but it's very much about building this incredible world. So there's a lot of descriptions. And if you don't have mm-hmm. patience with descriptions, then you're not going to like the series. Well, I put it on my to read list for this year because of you. Yay. And I just ordered it onto my Kindle. So Yay. I can read it. That's very exciting. So um, do you have a favorite true crime? Well, we already talked about your favorite true crime. Yeah. We so already we talked about Devil Noir City. Once again, plugging it. It's amazing. Yeah. Do you have any other favorite books? I have so many. Well, I mean, like anything by Jane Austen. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, as far as like, modern literature there's i go a couple of different ways um there's a book called americana by chimamanda adichie who um it it talks about a nigerian woman who immigrates to the united states Mm -hmm. to um to go to university and it was it was a slice of life eye-opener for me um and it's beautifully written so like you're just kind of mesmerized to the entire story and she's written a number of other things that are just as mesmerizing um, there's another book that's just kind of a fun read called Tell the Wolves I'm Home. That's another sort of modern fiction uh, so, sort of book. I kind of put my, I, I will read just about anything I put my hands on, though. I have given myself permission that if a book sucks, I can stop reading it, mm-hmm. which I didn't used to. I would hold on to the bitter end thinking it's got to yeah. improve. It's got to improve. That's That doesn't happen. If it's a bad book, it's okay to walk away from it. Yeah. Um. But there are so many wonderful books out there. And there's a lot of great nonfiction out there, too. I mean, we're talking mostly about the fiction section, but um, there's a lot of really good books out there. Yeah, I don't read as much nonfiction, but that's for me because I'm usually looking for an escape. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't feel as much of an escape. But there are some nonfiction I'll be drawn to. Like, I, I tend to like biographies Mm -hmm. and autobiographies. Dolly Parton's is really good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, Dolly Parton's a national treasure. Yeah. So, I mean, how can you not, you know, have a shine on that? You know? And I really enjoyed Angela Lansbury's autobiography years oh, ago. Oh, very cool. I learned so much more that I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I didn't realize she was like 30 playing a mother in uh, The Manchurian Candidate. Yeah. Yeah. She was playing the mother of a man who was like three years her junior, you know. Yeah. Yeah, she's brilliant. And oh my gosh, was she stunningly beautiful when she was young. Oh my gosh. But once she got classified as a mother, then she never could come back from that. And because, you know, Hollywood, the way it was in particular then, and even still now to a degree. Oh, for sure. So I added a couple of questions that I thought we would just do really quickly. Any favorite true crime shows that you watch? I'm imagining you don't really watch true crime. Nope. I don't watch it. Um, I, in fact, the ever once in a while, like when we were dipping into the black Dahlia, um, when we did body mm-hmm. and Clyde, I went to watch a few shows about them, but I find that even the quote unquote documentaries tend to be kind of sensationalized mm-hmm. and, you know, cause I guess you got to do something to attract the viewership. But so I don't, I don't really watch true crime. No. Mm-mm. How about you? Um, the first 48, which is a show I think you might like it's on okay. Annie. Because it's not sensationalized. It's literally just following the homicide detectives as they're investigating the homicide and trying to solve it. And it's not gory. I mean, if they're going to look at a crime scene, they try to keep some of the worst of it. And you can always turn your head for two seconds if it's a little bit. Um, I like Evil Lives Here and American Monster. And both of those have the thing where they're talking to somebody who knows the family member or is a family member of the killer 
mm-hmm. and talking from their perspective and then showing some stuff from the background, giving a lot more background on the person before mm-hmm. they started to kill. And then Homicide Hunter with um, Lieutenant Joe Kinda, which <laughs> you might actually not mind that one. I mean, uh-huh. it, the only bad thing is they do have a little of those actors like recreating, uh-huh. but Kinda is actually there. He's a former police lieutenant from Colorado Springs and he's basically sharing cases he had in Colorado Springs uh-huh. and he'll talk in one of my favorite things he goes is well my 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 oh that's funny and it's just Chris my husband isn't really into true crime and that's why I think you might like it because he likes that one and he likes the first 48 okay. and he even chuckles when he hears Lieutenant mm-hmm. Kinda going, hi, my, my. Or when I start to watch it, like as he's going to sleep, he'll go, hi, Joe. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. And he's called Joe, my boyfriend. Yeah. He oh, goes, that's... you know, you want him. I'm like, no. <laughs> I mean, that's no. so funny. That did remind me, though, there is a TV show that I watch that's related mm-hmm. to it, the genetic detective. The woman who does the genetic te- um, screening yeah, the to help genet- find genealogist? people. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. She's so good. That's such a good show. What's that on? I want to say it's ABC. I'm not entirely okay. sure. I haven't seen that one. It's so good. Um, it gets a little repetitive um, just because she is insisting on explaining her process every time. But it's actually very interesting. I wonder how much of that is the producers going, you need to explain it every time because we may get a brand new viewer who doesn't know. That's probably what it is. You know, and it is responsible to do that. But I'm just really like, okay, yeah, yeah, I know. Come on. Yes, I know. Anyway. Well, this was a fun Q&A session. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And happy anniversary to Murderous anniversary. Roots and us and everything. Let's go for one more year. How's that sound? I like it. Let's do it. We'll keep doing it as long as we're still having fun with it. Yep. Here, here. And I'm, I'm still having a lot of fun researching because that's my thing. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we hope all of you just enjoyed this episode and that you will, you know, tune in for our next murderer. I'm not I'm not exactly sure who's going up next. Um, next up is Linda Hazard and it's a mini sode and that's I think it's Linda Hazard. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Now I'm not so sure. That feels like the right answer. It feels like it. Probably is it. Yeah. It is. <laughs> but anyhow, yeah, our next one up should be Linda Hazard. Fantastic. So everybody have a great week and we will see you next time. Or they talk to you next time. (laughs) It's all good. (laughs) I wish we could see them. That would be awesome. (laughs) Bye, Denise. Bye, Zelda. (laughs) Thank you for listening to Murderous Roots. If you enjoyed our podcast, we hope that you'll subscribe and leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you and any suggestions you might have for future episodes. You can find us on most social media outlets like Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and even TikTok. You can also find us at MurderousRoots.com. That's M-U-R-D-E-R-O-U-S-R-O-O-T-S.com, where you can find more materials related to the episode that we just discussed. 